Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey, it's Brad Shepard, the Brad Shepard from ProSportsExtra.com. Maybe the most hated person in all of wrestling Twitter. I also have a podcast, the Oh You Didn't Know Wrestling Show, available on iHeartRadio and pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. And I have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash O-Y-D-K-W-S. And uh, that's pretty much it. I'm sure you're familiar with me, but if you're not, I think you'll find this very Enlightening. <laughs> Listen, Brad Shepard, legitimately public enemy number one in the pro wrestling industry here. Uh, I'm sure all the Hammeneggers, they're, they're going to call the FBI. They're going to call the CIA. They may even call Space Force to have the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast taken off the air because I dare bring on the guy that they that they can't stand the most, Brad Shepard, onto the show. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's quite possible because you know, I do get a lot of uh, cancel Brad Shepard. There was a, a movement on Twitter for that where I think I was trending. Uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of people try to get me fired from Pro Sports Extra as well. You know, so those are type of things like, you know, unfortunately that I'm used to. And I really don't care. So, you know, it doesn't matter. If there's one thing that – you have made clear is that you you are you don't care you're unbothered by this and in fact i would dare say you're amused by all of the the crazy ire and things like that in fact you just put out an article that i read and and got a kick out of where you talked about um your top love letters so to speak things that people have sent to you where they think that their you know their threats and their their nasty tweets and messages to you are really gonna really gonna give you a zing there and, and you don't seem to care too much, huh? No, I don't really care at all. I mean, you know, everybody has an opinion, obviously, but you know, I have thick skin and you have to to do what I do. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just someone on Twitter who is obsessed with me or spending a lot of their free time thinking about me and, and tweeting about me. And so it's kind of amusing uh, how they put me on this pedestal in their mind uh, over something so silly like professional wrestling, something that's essentially just entertainment. And in some cases it works them into a shoot, so to speak. You're a military guy. So, you know, you went through the training and, and what have you. I'm not going to ask you specifically where you were stationed or anything like that, but you made it through, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I went to, you know, I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. That's where I did my basic combat training, uh, you know, in the Army. And I went to Fort Aberdeen Proving Ground, Maryland. That's where I did my AIT. I was a chemical equipment repair, which is a 63 Juliet. Um, and that was very long. That was like 17 weeks. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know there are, are uh, conspiracies running around that I'm a, uh, a a fake 
stolen valor soldier or something to that effect. But I, I hate to tell people, yeah, I was in the Army for six years. Um, I was honorably discharged I, as an E-4 specialist. Uh, they wanted me to stay longer. They wanted to promote me to an E-5, a sergeant, um, and I was ready to, to leave the military instead. After a serious experience like that, where you literally have seen it all, does this this whole uh, keyboard warrior stuff? These these wrestling fans who think that you know they they, they can threaten you online or challenge you to, to beat you up the next time they see you at a show? Does any of that stuff move you at all? For the most part, no. I mean, it's it's really easy for people to you know be tough online. I think you see a lot of that, and you know at the end of the day, talk is cheap. But when you see someone in person. Uh, especially someone like me, you know, I'm the size of a large wrestler. So, you know, it's very easy to to say those type of things until you see me in person and you realize here's a guy with, you know, really just a, a self-defense slash martial arts, you know, fighting background who's just this large six-foot-six man. Um, and, and, you know, so it's very easy to, to pop off those things on Twitter uh, it would be a whole different story for probably a lot of them in person. So you can't really take a lot of that seriously. I mean, people get so worked up in, into a shoot, uh, and I think that's just the thing we see in society today. But, you know, you have to keep those things in mind just for, for safety reasons. You never know. But at the end of the day, just the, the typical message of those type of things doesn't bother me. What is it about pro wrestling news and, and really pro wrestling journalism uh, that's holding it back? Because I, I'll tell you right now, man, it's it's as if the majority of the industry, they don't want to step on the toes of, of the vocal minority out there for fear that they're going to, you know, custom and threaten them and do all the things that are being done to you on a daily basis. What is it about yeah, journalism great... that, that really needs to change in order for it to be on a, a higher level like other sports or, or general news and things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's really a couple of components to that. One is the professional wrestling companies themselves have to allow for better access. Uh, there's there's this sort of carny aspect to it, in particular with like a WWE, for example, um, you know, where they don't allow a lot of access and everything is, is a blur between real and make-believe. So it's just a very odd situation to begin with. But, you know, by the same token, you see who they have in the wrestling journalism industry, and would you really be that open to giving them access when you see essentially what they have are glorified fanboys? Um, you know, it, it's not really an ideal situation on either end. So I think you need more, uh, you know, more transparency and access from like a WWE and the other wrestling companies. But on the journalism end, you need a complete overhaul. I mean, it's just even the people who do it full-time, they're really just essentially fanboys. Even if they do have a journalism degree, it's very obvious that, you know, again, they're they're not looking at it objectively like a sports journalist, for example. Um, they're looking at it from, from a fanboy perspective. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just something that needs to completely be overhauled. There's a lot of agendas and a lot of echo chambers of thought and opinions where, uh, it's not considered politically correct to step outside of that, to be totally transparent and honest. Or, you know, if a story perhaps is too controversial to 
stay away from it and be afraid to report on it. Well, that's exactly what journalists should be doing, is reporting on the most controversial, important stories. They should be more worried about reporting on the WWE Saudi Arabia travel situation than Samoa Joe getting a push on Monday Night Raw. Like, you know, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to me. So I think there's a couple of components to it, but it's in a really, really bad state all around. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was talking to a friend of mine who's, you know, part of the business and... It was just it was a random night, and they said, you know that that Brad Shepard, he, he said something about Sasha Banks, and I'm I'm, I'm fed up with him. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna straighten him out, and I'm like, what are you gonna say to the guy that's gonna upset this guy? He's a military guy, he's taken on the world, and he hasn't stopped yet. What do you think you're going to say to this this guy that is gonna be the one thing that's gonna really get him? Just leave him alone, <laughs> you know. But it, it, it brings up a good point, though. <laughs> Sasha Banks, at one point, that was the biggest story going. You know, she, she went through WrestleMania. She and Bailey dropped the tag team championships, and then she essentially disappeared. You were yeah. on top of that story, and, and you reported a, a, a bunch of things. And, you know, indirectly, she, she essentially called you out. And the, the fans kind of took exception to some of your reporting and what have you. What was the whole story from your perspective on that? Did we, did, looking back on it now, did you have sources that may have not given you accurate information, or do you, do you continue to stand behind what you had reported at the time? Yeah, I mean, I continue to stand by it. I, the situation evolved, and, of course, Ryan Satin was the one who reported about the crying on the floor. Um, and sometimes that kind of gets put onto me when that's not accurate. So um, it was actually Fox Sports' own Ryan Satin who was, falsely reporting that, and he did subsequently apologize, is my understanding, after he, he got the Fox Sports job. But, you know, situations like that evolve in real time very fast. And, you know, I'm not connected into WWE or any professional wrestling company 24-7. I don't do this for a living. I could if I wanted to. I just don't have a desire to. So it's not like I'm constantly connected into everything about WWE. Um, so that's a disadvantage I naturally have. But, you know, the situations do evolve. And it's very easy to report on something after the fact. Like Dave Meltzer is a guy who doesn't do a lot of news information over social media. He's the guy who goes after the fact and talks about it on, you know, his, to his paid subscribers on Wrestling Observer Radio. And so it's very easy to do that and say this is why they did this or this is what they're going to do after the fact, rather than in real time saying something as it evolves. So, you know, you, you're really putting yourself out there when you do that. And, and I don't have a problem doing that because I'm confident in my information. But things evolve in WWE, especially, you know, as time goes on. That's just the reality. I can't change that. I'm just reporting the information. Uh, that's all I can do. So, you know, I knew when Sasha Banks returned. Uh, and, and, you know, people say, oh, well, she was going to return before. Well, yeah, but I don't control that. You know, there could have been a million circumstances where there was a conversation about her return. It was going to happen. They held off. They decided to do it a different time, et cetera. I don't control those things. I'm just passing along the information. And I think when you look at my track record, I've gotten a lot of big stories right that literally no wrestling journalist has gotten. So, 
you know, there's got to be some credibility there, whether you like me or not. And, you know, at the end of the day, if I have evidence that something I said was wrong, let me know and, and I'll correct the record. But, you know, until then, yeah, I stand by what I said. You brought them up and you certainly have um, definitely caught the attention of, of the folks over at Fox. In fact, the SmackDown on WWE uh, Twitter account. They've had a couple of exchanges with you. What's your take on that, man? I mean, it's it's pretty unusual for a network's Twitter account to zero in on a, a journalist who is not one of their journalists, by the way, uh, and just talk nonsense to them. What do you think about that? I thought that was kind of comical. Of course, one of the, the references I made reference to, of course, in my article, the, the 2019 love story of wrestling Twitter and Brad Shepard, is where the Fox uh, Sports, Fox on WWE accounts had mentioned uh, a tweet I made, which was, my sleeper pick is Becky Lynch because when she's picked, it's going to put me to sleep. <laughs> and and so they responded saying, well, if a WWE insider, in quotes, says it in his bio and everything, says so, then it's over for the man. Now, I don't just say that, but by the way, maybe that person – they should do a little research because I appeared on Fox Sports Radio as a WWE insider before, right? So if they did even the most basic research, they would understand that's a literal fact. Um, so they're kind of embarrassing themselves in a way without realizing it. But, you know, I, I think it doesn't matter to me. It's great for me. It's great for spreading my, my brand. But they're like, they're doing my job for me. So I hope they continue to do that. But if I were them, I would absolutely not be doing that. That's the opposite of what they should be doing. In fact, they should be more worried about promoting a show where the ratings are, are in the tank. I mean, they should be more focused on promoting SmackDown uh, and doing a better job of that than, than singling me out and, frankly, putting me over to their entire audience. But I appreciate it, though. Yeah, that's, and, you know, that's a, that's a Fox deal, not so much a WWE deal, but – it's definitely the complete opposite of what we know of WWE, which is ignore <laughs> the competition, ignore anybody who's not part of their family, act like it doesn't exist. They're not in our universe, so to speak. Uh, because as you said, they're just giving you recognition and shine. I'm sure a lot of folks, if they weren't aware of you before, they certainly were after that. So, you know, thank you to whoever's running that Fox account. Good job there. You know, you, should, you, you may have to send them a bottle of wine or something there, Brad. I don't know. <laughs> Another name, and, you know, this is a name that is brought up, compared and contrasted to yours on a, on a constant basis. And you said his name, uh, Dave Meltzer. Yeah. He's a guy who's been covering pro wrestling. You know, geez, I just turned 37 years old. He, he's been covering wrestling about as long as I've been alive. Um, the past few years, I don't know what's been going on with him, but it just seems like, Whatever's happening in the WWE is the end of the world, and if you're if you're New Japan or you know the new kid on the block AEW, then everything is fine, which is very strange to me. You know, I I, I like my news to to be a little bit more well-rounded. You know, if somebody is just focusing on something and saying it's bad, and then saying something else is good, I, I instantly question it. Um, sure. But Dave doesn't seem to have much love for you, neither he nor his fans. So let me ask yeah. you directly. Let me ask you directly, do you have a relationship with Dave Meltzer, number one? And, and number two, 
what's the story with you two just in general? I mean, you know, did, did you did you steal his girlfriend or, you know, does he not like your cologne? Like, what, what the hell is going on there? Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll take it back uh, to the beginning when, you know, I first broke the story of the XFL return. Uh, and when I did that, uh, it, of course, made international news. And that's the first time that Dave Meltzer, that I know of, officially credited me in his Wrestling Observer newsletter. Now, fast forward, by the way, a few years later, and he's telling people that I'm a troll, that I don't have any sources in WWE and to ignore me. He completely discredits me to his audience. Again, he himself used me in his Wrestling Observer newsletter, but... You know, essentially, Dave, once I started getting big story after big story, you know, I had the XFL, I had the WrestleMania location, I had the Hall of Fame class in advance, you know, and, and just things like that, time after time. Uh, he eventually stopped crediting me. And he actually started stealing some of my stories without crediting me. And he started discrediting me to his audience. So basically, he got threatened, in my opinion, by, you know, the work that I was doing. These guys are very protective of their spot, and I'm not sure everybody understands that, uh, them meaning the wrestling journalists. And uh, they don't want outsiders coming in and, and stealing their spot, and that includes Dave. Dave likes being the authority on professional wrestling, and Dave makes his income by being that so-called authority. Well, as we've seen over the years here recently, that's really been exposed as bullshit. Um, you know, Dave's sources have dried up, you know, drier than the Sahara Desert. He, he, he's probably had his worst year ever in 2019. Just multiple stories wrong, just making a complete horse's ass out of himself time after time. Um, so, you know, it just kind of evolved from there. Like, I was getting a lot of stories right. He started crediting me. And then uh, they didn't like the attention I was getting. I was going on, you know, ESPN Radio and Fox Sports Radio. Um, and I was doing all these big things that those guys weren't doing. And that's when it became an issue. And that's when they turned the tide and tried to start discrediting me. And, you know, I've been dealing with it ever since. They'll steal my stories and, and run them in the dirt sheet uh, without mentioning my name or I've been told personally, uh, I know your sources, your stories are good, but I can't run your stories because of the backlash from the audience that I have, because they don't like you. Uh, so it's, you know, it's just dealing with a lot of, you know, just ridiculous nonsense like that. Uh, you know, you don't kiss someone's ass and you tell it like it is. Dave Melker once apologized to me in a DM. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but in the very beginning, um, Dave Meltzer actually DM me an apology for not crediting me in the Observer in one of his stories. It's the only time he's ever done that, and that was a good thing to do. But ever since then, he's yeah, he's he's done the opposite. He's continued to steal my work, and you know he blocked me on social media, but it's very clear he's following my work. He spends his time on the uh, what they call the board on the F4W website for subscribers you know, talking about me and even others as well in the uh, journalism industry. It's a very odd. I mean, this guy is 60 years old, and he'll be, you know, talking negatively about me or discrediting me on his paywall. 
uh, it's just very odd, just very odd behavior. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Dave Meltzer at all. I was very indifferent to him before, had no problem with him. But, you know, I'm certainly at the point now where, you know, I've, I've known that he's completely dishonest and he occasionally makes shit up. And, you know, um, I just think he's completely discredited himself in a lot of ways. So I'm not a fan at all. I'm sure he's not a fan of me at all. Um, and so that's pretty much where we are. Do you think he, he's looking at his replacement at this point? I mean, you have so many different – I don't even know if I can call them wrestling news sites. That's how they identify themselves. But, you know, it's it's more like satire sites, if anything, uh, where, right. where they just repost anything Meltzer has to say. And yeah. it's funny that you bring up 2019 because what I started to notice is the tide shift where – the name Brad Shepard was just all over the place. Yeah. So many people were sourcing you and, and reposting things that you said. I mean, entire articles and what have you, which, you now thank goodness they're crediting you, but obviously they realized that whatever information you were putting out is, is going to get them some clicks, so they were using you. Um, do you think somebody like Meltzer sees the, the tide shifting here, and it's like, well, this guy is he's a new guy, so to speak. Maybe that's the source of, of this frustration that he, he seems to be carrying with you? That could be some of the frustration. I mean, I think Dave is essentially an egomaniac or a narcissist. So, you know, I, I think he's hell-bent on keeping a spot and doing whatever that takes, whether it's lying or trying to discredit me to anyone possible, and he certainly tries to do that, among others. Um, but, yeah, he's got to be feeling personally, you know, he's got to be seeing it because I'm seeing it, right, the – the talk, the attention is probably more on me than anyone else in media when it comes to professional wrestling this year. Uh, and so maybe that's frustrating for him. I know he, you know, there's a full-time job. Like some people, it's their full-time job to go out of the way to talk negatively about me and try to discredit me uh, on on wrestling Twitter. So there is a, it's a very real thing. Like they're, um, they're, worried about their spot, and, you know, hey, I don't want their spot. So it's, it's not anything for them to be worried about. Uh, but they don't like the idea that I'm breaking big stories that they're clueless about. Sure, sure. <laughs> you, you said that in a very nice manner. Not only do they not like the idea, they despise the idea, and, and I would even go so far as to say that they're using what I, what I call burner accounts, the, these fake accounts that, you know, maybe they they have two or three followers. They were just created a week ago, and it seems like their their sole mission is to say something negative about someone. In this case, you. Uh, yeah. To try to discredit you and what have you. Yeah, it's for sure. Clear. It's clear that these are folks who have an axe to grind and trying to hide their oh, identity. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so that's a big thing. That's like something I deal with daily. You know, there's one troll who will create a new username, um, like, almost every day, you know, and it's like just to talk about me having no sources, not being a real journalist. Uh, but it's, it's stuff like that, like every single day that they spend their energy on. And you obviously know that there's, there's people in the industry behind it, right? Um, and – that's it's just it's one of those things. Uh, I mean, they they go as far as making up 
tweets, like creating fake tweets, which anybody can do. You can, there's apps for it. There's, you know, it's not hard to do. <laughs> they'll screenshot a fake t- a tweet after creating it, and then they'll say, oh, Brad Shepard said this. Um, you know, there's been a Facebook account recently that's been posting a lot of fake news saying that I said something, which I never obviously did. Um, but, you know, people may read it and think, oh, man, Brad Shepard really said this. So I deal with, like, a lot of that sort of noise and confusion and and just trying to help people understand what I said and, and what I did. And, and it's always best to get it from the horse's mouth. I'm not hard to find or, you know, to talk to. So, uh, But it, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Speaking of interesting thing, I mean, over the, the past year, we finally have what could very well be someday – I don't think they're there yet, but someday uh, a, a, a true challenger to the WWE, and I'm talking about All Elite Wrestling. What's your general take in regard to you know their first year there, and, and you know they're a startup, so they, they've had some growing pains for sure. But overall, what's Brad Shepard's take on this this new kid on the block, All Elite Wrestling, and, and their first year? I mean, I, there are some things I do like, and there's definitely some things I don't. I mean, when you talk a, a business model, I really would question what they're doing just because right now they have decided to essentially cater to the current audience they have, right? I mean, they've been pretty clear about that, that, you know, they're not writing for the casual fan, the dormant fan. They're, they're writing for their current audience. That's who they're focused on appeasing. And that's a really bad idea when you're trying to grow your show. Uh, you know, you want advertisers, you want to increase your ratings. Obviously, you want to stay on network TV. They've got a you know a great platform there. But you have to you have to show the success of your ratings. And granted, it's a successful show for the network they're on. But you know, at the end of the day. You can't remain stale. You have to always move forward, and and you're not going to do that when you've got the same audience. You know, you already have that audience. How about getting a new audience? Um, So I just think from a business model standpoint, that's a big mistake. Uh, And and another thing would be how they're so opposite of reactionary. So they made it pretty clear, too, they weren't going to be reactionary, obviously because they're on the same time as NXT. And granted, you don't want to do everything reactionary, but I think there's a happy medium where, man, there's going to be some times where you should probably change some stuff up on short notice based on what happens with NXT. And that's okay. Um, keeping yourself flexible to, to do something like that is a good thing. So, you know, just from a business standpoint, a couple of those things I do find questionable. Uh, they do have a, a base audience. Um, you know, it's that hardcore wrestling audience that loves indie wrestling and ROH and New Japan and those type of things. And so they have them already. But, you know, creatively and, and looking at the roster, man, uh, Chris Jericho is phenomenal. Yes, he looks like a, your your next-door neighbor's drunk uncle. But the guy is super entertaining. And, and being able to do something unscripted, you know, he's been a highlight of the show for me, for sure. Maybe the highlight. And, uh, you know, Cody's been pretty good, although here recently the stuff they've been doing I haven't been a huge fan of. So, you know, there are some people that are doing good things, but 
I look at that roster, and it's a lot of nobodies. It's a lot of indie darlings. Um, it's a lot of guys who don't look like professional wrestlers to me. And not everybody needs to be, you know, six foot two, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, two hundred and sixty pounds, whatever the case is. But you can't have most of your roster looking like they could wrestle on one eighty five live. You know, so and I think that's part of the problem they have is a lot of their guys are just so small. You look at Marco Stunt and not only is he wrestling, but he's actually like bigger guys are are selling for his offense. And that guy is what five foot tall or less, and a hundred and I don't know twenty pounds, maybe. So I, I just don't get that kind of a thing. You look at Jungle Boy, who I want to like. I mean, I like his father in acting, so there's a connection there. I want to like him, but he's another guy who's super, super tiny. He's hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, soaking wet. Yeah, so they've got a lot of that type of stuff, you know. And they had this very indie style. Uh, you know, it's really the, the Young Buck style, which I am not a fan of at all. Again, they have some, some people that don't do that. You look at a Cody Rhodes match. I thought his match with Dustin was phenomenal. But then you have the opposite spectrum of that, and the Young Bucks, and, you know, they're just doing these mindless, stupid-ass spots. The match has no psychology. It's just spot after spot after spot with no selling and 20 super kicks. And, you know, so that's not really for me. And I don't think that's for a casual or dormant audience either. Right, it's that kind of hardcore fan base that loves that today, but it's really for not many other type of uh, fans. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. It's a mixed bag for me. But if they don't change their business model, I don't think they're really going to grow their fan base. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because I was um, hanging out with my with my mother and, and my my sister, and. It was on a Wednesday night, so we were, we were, I was flipping back and forth on, on the two shows, and you had the main event in NXT, Keith Lee, uh, Ciampa, and uh, Finn Balor. That was the main event, that triple threat match, right? Yeah. And then you have on AEW Dynamite, it was the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros, I think it was. Whatever the hell that tables match was that they had. So just complete flippy mania, no psychology, just flips and dips all day long. No tags, obviously, because why would you tag in any kind of tag match? That doesn't make any sense these days, I guess. I don't know. Um, but then you have a guy like Keith Lee, who's just this massive dude. Yeah. And then you have Balor, who has, you know, he has a, a, a 50 pack with those abs of his. And then Ciampa, with that crazy beard of his, she kept calling him Grandpa. She's like, wow, Grandpa has muscles. And my mother's not a wrestling fan. Right. She doesn't watch wrestling on a regular basis. She legitimately is somebody who would be flipping channels, and if she sees something that she's interested in, she might stick around for a little while. NXT was showing something that caught her eye. She wanted to see what Keith Lee was going to do with these smaller guys. AEW, she couldn't, she didn't understand it. She couldn't get it. Didn't make any sense to her, you know. And 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 that really made me take a step back and think about it. And it's like, and damn it, and and these guys have the audacity to say that they're not trying to attract the casual fan. They're going to stick to their fan base. Well, yeah, you're doing that, but unfortunately, it ain't working. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think you're you're a little spot on there, uh, Brad, with what you just said there, where. You're on a network, and the goal is to make money. You, you want to attract as many people as possible. 
this whole concept that you're going to stick to your base, which is, you know, mostly neckbeards who may or may not have, have ever had a relationship with, with the opposite sex. I mean, how are you going to sustain your business if that's all you're trying to market to? It's a great point. I mean, and that's what I try to do, you know, when I talk about wrestling on my Twitter at the Brad Shepard Chief Plug. Um, I try to give the perspective of not just the hardcore wrestling fan in the wrestling bubble, because we see so much of that on social media. But I try to give a different perspective um, so that fans are seeing outside of the echo chamber opinions. I, I try to give them that other aspect, that, you know, guy on the recliner flipping the channels who comes across it or, you know, maybe a dormant fan who hasn't watched in 20 years. I try to give that other perspective as well so they, you know, it's like, sure, are there some things on in New Japan Pro Wrestling that I like? Yes. Uh, you know, is that something that's going to attract most casual or dormant pro wrestling fans in the United States? Oh, absolutely not. It's a very specific niche audience. So I just try to be honest about that, and I try to give that other perspective that really they're not getting from anybody else in media. They're getting a complete fanboy in the bubble perspective, and it's so important that they have another perspective. If Anyone listening right now, they want to check out some of your stuff. They want to listen to your podcast. I know you got a big episode coming up this week. Uh, throw it all out there. What's the best way folks can get more Brad Shepard in their life? Yeah, probably the best way is follow me on Twitter, at the Brad Shepard, S-H-E-P-A-R-D. You can find a lot of my information there on my Twitter profile as far as our Oh, You Didn't Know Wrestling show Patreon, our Oh, You Didn't Know Wrestling show podcast that comes out every Thursday on iHeartRadio, iTunes, pretty much every platform you can think of, I've lost count. Um, so those are a couple of really cool ways to follow what I do. Obviously, ProSportsExtra.com. My articles there are always interesting, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to get a hold of me and, and follow my work. So, uh, But probably the best thing is my Twitter account. Before I let you go, Brad, let me, let me ask you one more question, and – you know, at least for me personally, it's an important one. We can talk about pro wrestling and all of this, this great stuff, this sports entertainment that gets us all excited, this fantasy world, so to speak, that, you know, I, I'm sure somebody like yourself, you grew up watching this stuff, and that's probably the reason why you dedicate so much time and effort into shining a light on the business itself with, through your articles and your podcast and what have you. One of the things that I, I always wonder about is the humanity of, of, of a lot of this stuff. You have people who are threatening your life, who are cussing you out, who have dedicated significant portions of their own personal time to try to affect you as negatively as possible. Does your family know that you get that kind of heat you know, it, it may bother my wife. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I'm not a 40-year-old virgin. I actually have a family. Um, <laughs> but yet, I think that the funny story is, though, obviously my wife is aware of my work in general, but she's not a wrestling fan. She doesn't keep up with this kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, I think she made the mistake once of Googling my name, uh, and she came across something on Reddit. Um, and that, that may have been the last time that she Googled my name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, she's aware, obviously, to a degree, um, you know, and, and 
I, I don't blame her for not wanting to go too deep into the rabbit hole, but you know, it doesn't bother me. Um, again, you have to have thick skin to do what I do and, you know, sticks and stones, whatever. So, but yeah, people are aware, uh, you know, I, I sometimes share it with my brother and get a good laugh out of it. So, you know, again, I find it humorous for the most part. I really do. Uh, I find it funny, uh, because again, at the end of the day, even if you hate me, you're really kind of doing my job. You're spreading, um, you're spreading my brand, uh, in me personally, my name, what I do to your followers. Um, so, you know, when Anaya Jax is tweeting out that I need to find a new source because she's not returning in the first quarter of 2020, like I reported uh, in April of last year, you know, she's doing me a favor. She has like half a million followers, right? Um, so I wish she would do that more. And, and at the end of the day, she's going to be proven wrong. But, you know, and, and we'll deal with that, but she is doing me a favor. So every time, you know, people like that, you know, if they have 500 followers or they have 500,000 followers, they're doing me a favor in a lot of ways. So I don't mind. It's kind of that, you know, any publicity is good publicity mindset. And maybe there's a certain point where that's not true. Like if you're, you know, someone in Hollywood, for example, that's not always the case. But for me, where I'm at, it's always the case. Uh, I love that. That's what I want because they're doing my job for me. So it never bothers me, and a lot of times I find it funny. You know, I'm not a guy who takes myself very seriously. And a lot of times, like, obviously I realize, like, wrestling is not very serious. So it's just not a big deal. And people get so triggered by the, the stupidest little things that are so irrelevant in life. And maybe that comes from the fact that they're just not very happy in their lives. I don't know, but... You know, when you have a happy, fulfilling life, something like this, an opinion on who's getting a push or, you know, what I like, you know, not being a big women's wrestling fan, you know, that really is not something that should bother anybody at all. Uh, but it does, as we clearly see. So, you know, that's something I've had to adjust to as well, you know, really having this platform and, and seeing how literally anything I tweet becomes a topic of conversation. And even who you know, people who have me blocked or don't like me, I'll see. Like, they have my tweet screenshotted, and they're clearly talking about it. So I make a discussion. Uh, I'm a topic of discussion just by tweeting something, you know. So there's a lot of impact to that. And, again, I find it really silly, but it's something I've come to um, to really understand. And, and so I try to be, I guess, more uh, understanding of that when I tweet something, you know, be a thought leader, tweet out something that's going to get people talking, uh, those type of things. And also try not to take myself too seriously. But yeah, I do find a lot of it humorous. It doesn't bother me. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just wrestling. Who really cares? That will probably go down as the most controversial interview that has ever happened on the Duclos Rousing podcast. I told you last week, folks, in the year 2020, I'm going to be like Biggie Smalls, kick in the door, okay? This whole concept of if somebody says something that you don't agree with, suddenly that means that you have to cancel them. You can't talk to them. You can't associate with them in any way. I just, I don't subscribe to that. And I'm going to tell you something about, about uh, Brad Shepard. A couple things. Number one. I don't agree with everything that he says. 
But I also don't disagree with everything he says. And that's no different from anybody else that I know, by the way. So that's number one. But number two, when I take a look at some of the the neckbeards and the humanoids who make it their business day in and day out to give that guy a hard time to complain and threaten and cuss and carry on. I notice that there's some overlap whenever I say anything about AEW. It's the same neckbeards and humanoids that are talking nonsense to me, that are sending me threats, that are talking trash to me. And what I've found, I, I had like a, a, a epiphany. If somebody is being given a hard time by a particular population of people who are also giving you a hard time, then that somebody's probably not so bad. Now, does this mean that me and Brad Shepard are going to be best friends forever or something like that? Of course not. Of course not. But I'll tell you what it does mean. I respect the fact that the man doesn't run, doesn't duck, doesn't hide. He says what he says, and it is what it is. A lot of you folks are still upset with him over that Sasha Banks thing. And again, I think that he articulated it well. You're kind of blaming him for things that other folks have said, Ryan Satin in particular. Kind of lumping the two of them in together, which doesn't make any sense. And Shepard brought up a good point. I mean, you report on something and it's a moving target. Things develop, they change. And you keep the reporting going. That's the way it goes, man. So, whatever. You know, definitely send me your messages, send me your emails, good, bad, or indifferent. Doesn't matter to me. I'm going to put the content out there. I will interview anybody. And I will ask them direct questions. And we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, it's funny because a lot of you lost your ever-loving mind last week when I had Obi Tynes on the show. You know, the guy that's been blackballed in wrestling, or at least has been a major attempt. Don't book him. Don't book him. All because he says he doesn't agree with transgender athletes competing, especially when it relates to transgender women competing against non-transgender women. I don't agree with Obi which we made that very clear last week on the show, but that doesn't mean that the man is not entitled to expressing his point of view. And it doesn't mean that we need to just shut him down, cancel him, don't book him anywhere, get rid of him, tar and feather him, just because he has a view on something. You've gone too far, every single one of you. Check out Brad Shepard's Twitter account just to see it. You've gone too far. Somebody doesn't agree with you, and it's like the end of the world. You're having a conniption about it. Let me tell you something. Debate for me is like a pickup game of basketball. You know what I'm talking about. You got the basketball court down the street. You show up to the court. doesn't matter who's playing. You, you, you join in, and whatever happens. Maybe you play a game of 21. Who knows, right? Game of horse, whatever. Full court, half court's all the same. You don't hate the person. If you win or if you lose, it's just, it's sport. That's all it is. That's that's what debate is to me. It's like playing a game of chess. I don't hate you if you beat me or if, or if I beat you or if it's a stalemate. Who cares? 
It's just enjoyable to compete. And I think a lot of you have this this weird... I'm just going to say it. Some of you are just social outcasts. And it's manifested in a manner where you finally found a community of other social outcasts. And you've become the oppressed that has turned into the oppressor. When you run across people who aren't afraid of your opinion, who aren't afraid to tell you that you don't make any damn sense, who aren't afraid to say that the person that you love is not so great, you you can't handle it. You, you shut down. And then you lash out. I think all elite wrestling, for the most part, is poorly managed. As a business, they they market things and then they don't deliver on those things. It's poorly managed. And on the flip side, I think the WWE is very well managed. And I think their content is not always very good. In fact, half the time it's pretty terrible, but they manage their business correctly. They deliver on what they market for the most part. And the end result is not always very good. But at least they gave you what they told you they were going to give you for the most part. There are exceptions, but for the most part. That's that's bare bones stuff, man. So if, if, if all elite wrestling can't even give you the bare bones stuff, what, what the heck? We can't even get past that point. I'm still holding them accountable for what they claim they're going to do. But I'm a, I'm a bad guy for saying that stuff, right? Get out of here. Bunch of social outcasts. Who can't handle somebody having a different opinion than you have. It's tremendous to see. And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to clue you guys in on something. I am thoroughly entertained by each and every one of you who can't handle somebody telling you that you don't make sense. That your opinion is not necessarily a fact. That the people that you look up to and that you love and you follow and you believe in aren't so great. I get a kick out of it to see you have a meltdown over somebody telling you that stuff. Because I think it's it's foolish. Not everybody has to agree with you and they're not going to. And if you can't coexist with people who disagree with you, something's wrong. That's my opinion. Something's wrong. Who the hell can go through life only interacting and only existing with people who agree with them? How does that even work? I don't get it. I don't get it, but I I appreciate people like Brad Shepard for stoking conversation and challenging the way that we look at things and the way that we think. And again, hey, does he get everything right? Hell no, not even close, but he doesn't get everything wrong either. And you keep talking about it. You keep going back for more. Me too. So it's fun. Interesting stuff, man. You know, it's it's crazy because I, I'm taking a look at this thing and, you know, I'm, I'm a big women's wrestling fan. That's one thing me and Brad don't agree with, by the way. He's not necessarily a big fan of, of women's wrestling. I'm a huge fan of women's wrestling. But it doesn't mean that I want to threaten to Paul drive the guy next time I see. First of all, I, I probably I can't pick him up. He's a big guy. Can't pick him up. But beyond that, uh, we can have a difference of opinion on that. But it's interesting. Something just happened. Breaking news. Mercedes Martinez, legitimately one of the top wrestlers in the world, 
She's fantastic. She's amazing. She's been kicking butt all over the place for a long time. She's helped do training seminars and things for a lot of uh, people who you may know of and people who you're definitely going to know about. She's just well-respected, man. Fantastic person. Fantastic wrestler. She just signed with the WWE. And it got me to thinking. Imagine you are AEW. And you have a women's division that's been poorly booked to the point where you've admitted it. And and the person who allegedly is responsible, Kenny Omega, has had to admit that there have been some major mistakes and and he promises that it's going to get better, whatever that means. haven't seen it yet, by the way. You have a talent like Mercedes Martinez on the open market and you don't do everything in your power to sign that person? You mean to tell me that Tony Khan couldn't go to daddy and scrape together enough pennies to sign Mercedes Martinez? But Rio is your champion? And then you have the audacity to say that the reason why the women's division has been executed so poorly is because of the lack of availability of the stars? But Mercedes Martinez is on the open market. She's available, right? You've used her a couple of times. Poorly, by the way. A locker room leader. Well-respected. Person who can kick butt in the ring. And you could not scrape together enough pennies to sign her? You you allow the WWE to, to, to get her? You're not serious. You're not serious. I'm sorry. You're not serious. Can't take you seriously. I just have to laugh at you because you keep telling me that it's going to improve and things are going to get better. And listen, I give you credit. Big Swole was huge. I like Chris Statlander. She's fantastic as well. I think the Sheeta girl, she's good as well. But my goodness, Rio is champion. You still got Nyla, Nyla Rose losing matches. My goodness. Speaking of WWE, what do they have? One women's match the other day on Raw? Complete embarrassment. Disrespectful, disgusting. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And Paul Heyman, I'm talking to you directly, and also you, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon. I'm talking to all of you. George, your co-president, George. Where's this equal opportunity crap that you guys keep preaching? Why why do we have one women's match on a three-hour program? It's 2020. No excuse for it. And I'm going to tell you right now, WWE, you got Oscar? <laughs> you just signed Mercedes Martinez. You got Ember Moon, who should be coming back soon. Becky Lynch and, and Charlotte and, and Sasha. Jesus, Alexa Bliss, Natty, who who legitimately is just is just class personified. I gotta wonder. With this collection of talent that you have, Ido Shirai, Kaidi Sane, 
Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm, Ginny. With this, with this collection of talent that you currently have, these women are legitimately the top wrestlers that have come along in, in, in Jesus the past 20 years, right? Like, we've, we haven't seen women's talent this good since the old All Japan Pro Wrestling days, right? Why the hell are you collecting all of this fantastic talent and then you turn around and only have one women's match on a three-hour program? How does that work? You have the best women in the world for the most part. There is not a single roster in all of pro wrestling that's stronger than the WWE women's roster. It doesn't exist. And I would, I, would, I would venture to say that it never existed anywhere else. Not for a major promotion. You got one women's match on a three-hour program? You all ought to be ashamed of yourself, and I'm disappointed in all of you. Disgusting. We cannot allow it to happen, folks. There's no excuse for it. It just comes down to poor decision-making on the part of who's in charge, and quite frankly, it's disrespectful. It's a lack of commitment. What the hell is the point of having all these fantastic people on, on the roster if you're not going to utilize them? Do I really need to see some of these garbage matches that you put on instead and these skits and all this other garbage that you're doing when you could have had more women's content? Come on. And some of you would disagree with me. I, you know, a lot of you will, will talk that, well, the girls matches. They're not they're women, first of all. They're not girls. They're women. But, well, we don't need to have equal matches for women, and we don't need to have multiple women's matches. Well, why not? There's no excuse not to have it, especially when you have that collection of talent. Now, listen, if you were to make that argument for AEW, it's debatable. Even though I think they have a talented women's roster in general, I just think that they're being poorly utilized. But if you want to make the argument that because they're they're so little utilized, you can't even put on multiple women's matches on, on their television show because it, it, it may not be executed well because they don't put any kind of legitimate support behind those women. You can that's an argument. I'm going to argue against it, but it's a it's an argument. There's nothing to argue with the WWE. These are these are the best most talented ready to go women's roster that you've ever seen. And you got a 3-hour program and you're not utilizing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm talking to you directly, Stephanie McMahon, you in particular ought to be ashamed of yourself. Because you know better. My expectations for everybody else in there are pretty low. I don't really think too highly of them, to be honest with you, as it relates to what's going on with women, because there's too many starts and stops. But you know better. So for you to ever allow a three-hour program to happen any week with only one women's match. I'm looking at you and I'm disappointed in you the most because you should never allow it to happen. You are a strong, powerful, imposing, serious business person. 
You cannot allow the boys club, the good old boys club, to continue to do what they're doing. Use your voice. And don't accept this kind of garbage going forward because you're going to be held accountable. It's on you. And some of you are going to say, well, how can you put it all on Stephanie? Well, why can't I put it all on Stephanie? You mean to tell me if Stephanie McMahon says this ain't happening anymore, we're doing, we're going the other way. Who the hell is going to stop her? You think Vince is going to say, no, Stephanie, we're going to do it my way. Only one women's match. No, it doesn't work like that. Stop it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. But this is what happens when, when the good old boys network, they assemble in a manner and they only put a couple of women here and there and then they drown them out. Because I don't believe that Stephanie McMahon thinks it's acceptable to only have one women's match on a three-hour program. And don't tell me, well, we got other plans and we're going to make good on NXT and we're going to make good on SmackDown. Those are separate programs. Don't give me that crap. Don't give me that crap. You got three hours of TV and you can only fit one women's match, but yet you give us another Rusev and Lana and Bobby Lashley wedding segment which I like, by the way, I enjoy that stuff. But golly, did we really need it again? (laughs) You could have skipped a week on that. I'm going to tell you right now, do not ruin Mercedes Martinez. Don't do it. Don't ruin her. You'll never hear the end of it if you do. I want to thank Brad Shepard, good guy, coming on the show. Listen, Brad, you're going to get me shut down. Like I said, they're going to call FBI, CIA, Space Force. They're going to have me shut down for having you on the show. Because how dare I have somebody on the show who has thoughts and reports on things in a manner that the humanoids just can't seem to, to function with. Gives them the shakes. Makes their Twitter fingers tingle. Whatever. We're not going to stop, folks. You know, hey, listen, join me next week. It's going to be more of this. We're going to keep this going. Kick in, the t- kick in the door 2020. That's what we're doing here. The Biggie Smalls, baby. That's that's what it's all about, right? All these folks that, that you can't handle hearing from gives you the shakes, makes you shut down because your humanoid social outcast self for some reason, in your fantasy world, in your mind, has convinced yourself that you can't hear from anyone who is in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? This is the anti-echo chamber here, folks. If you disagree with me on anything, I want you on the show. Because I'm tired of, I, I can hear my own voice. I don't need to hear anybody else agree with me. I already agree with myself. Let's hear some disagreement. Why not? Damn right. All right, until next week, folks, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.